Hello? Welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do that. This is episode, oh my gads, 58. Isn't it great? We're on episode 58. Huh? Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That's a great way to start. All right. In this episode, by the way, I have received a lot of comments on my last two episodes, how intense it was and how important the information was that I was trying to get out. So thank you for those comments. I really appreciate it. Keep them coming. If you want to comment on anything I'm doing, feel free. Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right. In this episode, we're going to continue a little bit more down the path of like the rise of anti-Semitism and hate and all this around the world. The title of this podcast is It All Starts in the Home. And if you think about it, that is 100% true. Everything starts in the home. Being a parent is a huge responsibility. And I believe with all of my heart, no child anywhere in the world. I don't care if that child's born in a mansion in Beverly Hills. I don't care if that child is born in the fields, in Africa, in the deserts, in Saudi Arabia, in down under in Aussie world. I don't care where that child is born. I don't care if it's born in a monastery. I don't care if it's born in the barracks of revolutionaries. I don't care. I can say this definitively. No matter what, no child is born with prejudice. No child is born with hatred in their heart. They have to be taught to hate and they have to be taught to be prejudiced. So I am saying right now, right here and now, and I'm going to lay this out in nauseating detail. All right. So let's start with race. All of my white friends, do not raise your children to hate black people. Period. Same thing. All of my black friends, all of my, my friends of color, do not raise your children to hate white people. And I can break this down, like literally go to every single skin color, every single nationality, every single religion, every single sexuality, everything. If you are gay parents, do not raise your children to hate straight people. If you are straight parents, do not raise your children to hate gay people or lesbian or transsexual or bisexual. Don't raise your children to hate, period. And this is the one I mean most seriously. My Palestinian friends, this message goes out to all Palestinian parents. Do not raise your children to hate Jews, period. My Jewish friends, and I know this is far less, this happens far less often with Israeli and Jewish families. Do not raise your children to hate Palestinians. Now, I am not saying that you can't raise your child to understand that you believe your faith is right. 
and there are other faiths that you believe are wrong. That's fine. But don't teach your children to hate. When people have a difference of opinion, so what? Why are we to the point in this, on this earth where if we disagree with someone, we have to hate them? We have to try to destroy them. We have to try to kill them in some cases. We know that many of the parents in Arab countries and Palestinian parents are raising their children to hate Jews. That is the reason why we have millions of people protesting all over the world about this conflict in Israel, and they're blaming Israel for Hamas's attack on October 7th. They're actually, I've heard a couple of people say that Israel made it up or that Israel attacked their own people on purpose to make Hamas look bad. I'm hearing this and I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, it, Hamas launched 4,500 missiles or rockets into Israel, overwhelming their Iron Dome and killing 1,400 Israelis. But my, I've heard all over the internet, Palestinians are saying that that is fake news. I see Palestinians or, or people just siding with Palestine, tearing down the posters of the family members, the, the children and the elderly that were kidnapped or are missing in Israel. And they're tearing those posters down because they honestly believe Israel made all of this up. They believe Israel, with probably the help of, of America, because America is the great Satan and Israel's the small Satan. That's basically what Palestine teaches their children. And the reason why we have such hatred in the Middle East is parents are passing on their prejudices to their children. Now, I have personal experience about what I'm talking about. One of my parents, her father was, well, now you say her, my mom, okay? Her father was a racist, 100%. Every time we'd go over to granddad's house, all the jokes were racist jokes. Uh, when he and his buddies all got together and talked about their experiences in World War II, the N-word flew all the time. And it made my skin crawl. And to this day, when I was living in New York City and I walked down the street and listened to one person of color refer to another person of color as the N-word, and I know it's, it's a difference between the ending of E-R and A, I understand that, but it's still inside me, I couldn't help but cringe. My mother made a conscious decision to not pass on prejudice to us children. She made a conscious decision to break that chain of racism. I am asking all parents all over the world, no matter what you personally believe, if you have animosity in your heart for some other people on the earth, it is your responsibility to not pass that on to your children. Because when you pass prejudice onto your children, and I covered this in another podcast, but I'm going to say it again. When you, when you pass that prejudice, when you pass that hatred onto your child, you limit what they will be able to do the rest of their life. You are putting limitations on how far they will go in life, on how much they'll be able to succeed. 
Because if they go into the workplace with these prejudices, employers will notice and employers will be very picky on who they hire because they don't want conflict in their offices. They don't want that kind of political conflict in their offices. So why on earth would you pass that on to your child and hinder how much success they're going to have in their life? I see so many of these children, young toddler children, wearing the terrorist scarfs and saying death to Israel. That's insane to me. Absolutely insane. Just as insane as I have seen personally. A person uh, or a, a couple that I know, I won't say what relation they are to my are to me because I don't want to embarrass them if someone could figure out who they are. But they were celebrating and they posted it on social media. They were celebrating that their four-year-old child said, I hate Trump. Boo Trump. Down with Trump. Even if you're passing hatred to your children about Donald Trump, about Joe Biden, about Kamala Harris, about the new speaker, Mike Johnson, if you're passing that hatred onto your children, you are doing them a disservice and you are damning them. Now, I'm not saying damn to hell, okay? I'm saying damning as in stopping their progression. You are limiting your child's life by passing those prejudices on. Why would you do that? If you are a loving parent, And you want your child, as I think most parents do, you want your child to succeed more than you did in your life. You want to help your children celebrate their successes. I have a very dear friend of mine who is related to one of the Texas Ranger players. And her and her family are all celebrating this wonderful thing. And her father is so proud of the fact that this is happening. And it's his son-in-law that is you know, this amazing athlete playing for the Texas Rangers and just won the World Series. That's the kind of love and desire that parents have for their children. They want them to have that success. They want them to go on and have loving, happy families and lives filled with joy and wonderful, uplifting, amazing experiences. If you don't want that for your child, what's wrong with you? If you want your child to be as bitter and hating and as hateful as you, there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with that child. So let's break this down even further. Like I said, white parents don't teach your children to hate people with other skin color. Minority parents do not teach your children to hate white people or any other skin color. Straight parents do not teach your children to hate gay parent, gay people. Okay, gay people, gay parents do not teach your children to hate straight people. Christian families do not teach your children to hate non-Christians or atheists or Wiccan or whatever. Do not teach your children to hate them. Disagree. Sure, you can teach them to disagree, but disagree respectfully. Disagree civilly. Okay, Palestinian parents do not teach your children to hate Jews. Jewish parents do not teach your children to hate Palestinians. This has got to stop, people. I am flabbergasted by how much hatred there is in the world and how deceived 
so many people are about this conflict between Israel and Palestine. And no, I'm not calling for the destruction of Palestine. I am pointing out the fact, though, and I, point, I, I said in my episode 56, or it might have been 57, I'm not sure, one of the last two episodes, basically, Israel has been fighting for peace forever. They have agreed to two-state solutions in Israel that were drawn by the League of Nations and the United Nations, all in the name of peace. They took the worst end of the deal in 1967 and gave Palestinians all the rich north of Israel, and minus a couple of, of encampments, and then took all of the undeveloped desert part of Israel. That's, they agreed to that. After 2008, they agreed to give the Gaza Strip to Palestine, Palestine, to the Palestinians, for peace. And as I've said before, what is going on in Gaza is not Israel's fault. It's Hamas. Hamas runs the Gaza Strip. Hamas has sole, complete control of the Gaza Strip. And do you know why the Gaza Strip is low on water and has uh, poor drinking water right now? Because Hamas digs up the water pipes that Israel put underground for irrigation for rockets, to make homemade rockets. Do you know why the Gaza Strip has a shortage on fuel right now? Because Hamas is using that fuel to propel those rockets into Israel. Do you know why, why uh, the Gaza Strip is like an open-air prison? Because Hamas wants it that way. They want total, absolute power. Now, I heard recently that Israel bombed a refugee camp and killed a bunch of innocent civilians. Do you know why? Under that refugee camp was a major storage facility for Hamas's ammunition and military arms and military equipment. That's why they bombed that, because Hamas purposefully hides behind their children and women and their sick. They purposefully put headquarters and ammunition storage facilities under hospitals, under schools, under refugee camps. And then I guess recently a university was destroyed in Gaza. That's because Hamas had a storage facility under that university. All that Israel is doing is trying to get rid of Hamas. The best thing that could happen to the Gaza Strip and for all Palestinians worldwide is to get rid of the terrorists that are using you and creating propaganda worldwide, blaming Israel for everything they are doing. Now, I will just say this. If Hezbollah decides to get in more than they are, right now they're attacking U.S. air bases in Iraq and Syria, and America is striking back. But if Hezbollah and one other training or one other terrorist group that's supported by Iran. You know, honestly, the head of the snake is Iran or Iran, if you want to say it that way. Iran is the head of the snake. They are the number one financial supporter of terrorism worldwide. Iran supports Hamas. Iran supports Hezbollah. Iran supports other terrorist organizations. I believe it is time to put such intense and strict 
regulations and tariffs on Iran that they stop supporting terrorism. I know it probably won't work, but it's the most we can do other than attacking Iran, and I don't think that's an option because then we go into World War III. Another thing that could stop this, honestly, is if the Iranian people stood up. If the people in the Middle East stood up against what's going on with the terrorism, with the terrorists that Iran is sponsoring. I know this is a dangerous proposition, given the fact that Iran treats dissenters so horribly. They even beat up someone who wears a hijab incorrectly. Masa Amini was in the custody of the what they call the morality police. It's the Revolutionary Guard, basically, in Iran. And she was beaten to death. And then most recently, Armita Garavand died the same way. Uh, she was beaten to death. She was a Kurdish Iranian woman, 22 years old. Both are 22 years old. And Iran's Revolutionary Guard or the morality police beat them to death just for doing something like wearing a hijab incorrectly. So I can imagine, and I know hundreds of people were beat down and even killed in those protests that rose up. But that's the only thing that's going to stop this terrorism is enough people in Palestine, enough Palestinians have to stand up and say no more. And the ones that have to stand up and say no more are the ones that were not taught to hate. Or if your parents did teach you to hate and you understand yourself right now that that is wrong, that that hatred was passed on to you because of your parents' ignorance in not knowing how badly they were hindering you by passing that hatred on. That's what has to happen. That's the only thing that stops this is we stop parents from spreading hate. And it all goes back to the home. It all goes back to the parents. Being a parent, I believe, is the number one most important role in the entire world. I believe it's more important than President of the United States. I believe it's more important than being the Pope. I believe it's more important than anything else, any other profession that is available. Being a parent is a huge responsibility. You are raising young, innocent, naive children to be successful or to be racists, to be achievers and athletes and scholars or to be terrorists, to be leaders of the world and titans of industry or to be racists and terrorists. That is the difference. Parents, stop teaching your children to hate. Period. End of statement. If we could get parents starting today, starting today with mothers that are in the hospital with their little babies all over the world or out in the fields or in their homes or in bathtubs, whatever, wherever you are about to give birth, listen to my voice. Do not spread hate to your child. Look in your child's eyes when they're born and look at how innocent and dependent they are on you. Take that responsibility seriously and choose right here and now to break the chain 
of prejudice. If you were taught by your parents and you hear me and understand how wrong it is for you to pass this hatred and prejudice onto your children, make that conscious choice right here, right now. Choose to spread love and acceptance and understanding. But also, parents, do not let your children choose for themselves until they are old enough to make their own decisions. And for some, it may be 25. For some, it may be 35. For some, it may be 45. It doesn't matter. Until your child is old enough to completely understand that their decisions have consequences, good or bad. Until they are old enough to make that decision, it is your responsibility to teach them good principles and morals and standards. That will guarantee your child grows up to be a success. If you can teach your children not to hate and work as hard as you can to keep a positive influence feminine and masculine in your children's lives. If you've divorced your husband or whatever, that's fine, but you need to make sure that there is a positive influence that is masculine and feminine in your child's life. And I'm not putting down single pair, single moms or single dads, and I'm not putting down same-sex couples. I'm just saying, if you want the very best for your child, you will raise them as loving, accepting, understanding, independent thinkers. And as I said in my last podcast, sadly, I believe it is best if parents not send their children off to Ivy League schools. We now have a ton of Ivy League schools, Stanford, Harvard, Yale, Cornell, Columbia, all of these campuses have massive pro-Palestinian protests, pro-Hamas protests. These college students are ripping down pictures of children and families that were kidnapped by Hamas saying it was made up. Do you know where they got all this? Number one, their parents didn't teach them really strong principles. And number two, our education system is no more than an indoctrination system now. There is no education anymore. It's all indoctrination, propaganda, and teaching your children to hate. Okay, let's talk a little bit about why we are seeing millions of pro-Palestinian protests. And it seems like they're mostly Palestinians and Muslims. You see, in the Muslim culture, they allow polygamy. And each of the wives are, you know, having three, four, five babies. So they are growing in population faster than any other demographic in the world. And I heard Rashida Tlaib say that they are not calling for the death of all Israelis and all Jews. They just want to peacefully coexist. Let me tell you about someone else that thought this was going to happen. Uh, a woman by the name of Brigitte Gabriel wrote a book called Because They Hate. And she was an Arab Christian raised in Lebanon. And after the Afghanistan 
war, Russia invaded Afghanistan and the Afghanis were fleeing Afghanistan and trying to go into neighboring countries. And the people in Lebanon, the Christians in Lebanon, welcomed them into their community and provided food and shelter and, you know, basically really helped them out in their time of need. Well, eventually, the population of the, the Muslims that went in there, they grew much faster, and they started harassing and killing the Christians in Lebanon. And the people in Lebanon were like, why are you doing this? You know, we opened our arms. We opened our, our communities. We, we gave you food. We gave you shelter. Why are you attacking us? Why are you killing us? And you know what their response was? You're nothing but filthy infidels. So even after accepting compassion from the people in Lebanon, the Muslims that were refugees there were starting to overwhelm and kill the Christians. And their response, so you're nothing but infidels. We don't care about you. It was, we, we, didn't, we don't care that you took us in and, and gave us food and shelter when we desperately needed it. We were fleeing, you know, the Russians in Afghanistan. That doesn't matter to us. You're infidels. Infidels in the Quran say that infidels must be converted or killed. And going back to my original point, for generations and generations, parents have taught their children to hate. They've taught their children that infidels are worthless. People that are not of the Muslim faith, not in Islam, are worthless and should be converted or killed. Now, you could, like I said, I've met many Palestinians. I have some Palestinian friends. They're peaceful Palestinians, and they really do want peace with Israel, and they want peace with America, <laughs> you know, these people. But it's the radical governments of these states, like Iran, that want to wipe out all of Israel and all of America. They're the ones and they're sycophants that follow everything they hear and they believe it without question. Like many people in this country that listen to CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, uh, all that, okay? There are people that just believe everything their leaders tell them. And it's the people in Iran and Egypt and Jordan and Syria, all of them, their leaders in those countries are telling their people that they must eliminate United States and Israel. And like I said, there are numerous videos I can play for you where you hear the words, death to Israel and death to America. I can play you videos. I don't want to, but if you want, I, if people ask me and say, well, prove it. Okay, I can send the videos for that. But there are many protests around the world right now that are calling for death to Israel. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, that doesn't sound like people that want to peacefully coexist. When they're chanting death to Israel, 
Does that sound like they want to peacefully coexist? No. So when Rashida Tlaib and others say that they want peace with Israel, they want to all live in peace, they are lying, which also is allowed in the Quran. They allow you to lie and deceive your enemy because, like I said, you can do anything you want to infidels because they're not on the same level as you and you can kill them, convert them or kill them. Those are the instructions. And because Muslims have so many more children than everyone else, they're growing in population and they're going in every country around the world. Now, as I've said in the beginning of my podcast, we need to stop teaching our children to hate. That goes for anyone that has hatred towards Palestinians. You just need to not have hate in your heart. You can disagree. You can try and prevent them from taking over and having jihad all over the world. But don't hate them because that's when they win. When they can rile you up to the point where you hate and want to go to war, that's what they want. They want war. And the people that are supporting Palestine right now, all over the world, and supporting Hamas, are showing their true colors. They want war with Israel. And when they say, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, they, uh, I've heard some Palestinians say, well, we don't want to kill all Jews. No, we just want them off our land. Okay, where do all those Israelis go? Where do they go? Do they become refugees and filter into all the other countries and just try to live there peacefully? Why can't you have let Israel have their land? It's because the ultimate goal of the Muslim faith is to convert or kill everyone on earth, every single person. And if you do not believe in the Muslim faith, you are an infidel and you are the lowest of the low, according to them. And they have no interest in living in peace with anyone. And like I said in the beginning of this podcast, Iran or Iran is the head of the snake. We need to put tariffs so strong that Iran won't be able to do a thing. We need to get United States to be energy independent again. Why? Because right now, Iran is making billions of dollars selling oil worldwide because the price of oil is so high. If the United States becomes an independent, energy independent country and has so much oil coming on the market that they actually become the number one exporter of oil. The price of oil drops dramatically. And countries like Russia and Iran won't have the money to fund these wars. But there's another thing you need to understand. Wars are business. Think about that. The Rockefellers during World War II gave oil to both sides. The Luftwaffe in Germany would not have been able to fly their planes without Rockefeller oil. So really, all of this is being created by the elitists in the world that want control. They want the United States to give millions and billions of dollars to Ukraine and to Israel because they will launder the money 
through those entities. And they will do it over and over and over again because wars are very profitable. And I know that's sick and twisted to think of, but it's true. That's how the elitists view war. They love wars because wars make them a lot of money. Now, I want to say one more thing on this topic. The reason why the world is on the precipice of being at World War III is because the United States is weak. We have weakened our country. This last administration has weakened our country. Do you know that Donald Trump, when he was president, got us into no new wars? Vladimir Putin did not invade Ukraine during Donald Trump's presidency. He invaded Ukraine during Obama's presidency and took Crimea. And then he invaded Ukraine again in Biden's presidency and is now trying to take the rest of the country. Why do you think that is? And remember, on his first day, he signed an executive order to stop the development of the Keystone XL pipeline, which would have guaranteed 900,000 new barrels of oil every single day from Alberta, Canada. And Biden also recently rejected the new leases for drilling in Anwar up in Alaska. And he has approved the least amount of oil drilling lease permits than any other president. And he has opened up our southern border completely. There are millions and millions of people coming in our country, and they're coming from all over the world. If you look at the pictures and the videos of the people coming in, they are overwhelmingly single men between the ages of 18 and 29, all coming into this country. Why do you think that is? What do you think they really want to do when they come into this country? If you want to know that, I would suggest reading that book by Brigitte Gabriel. Uh, it's fascinating and eye-opening. And she basically, the, the whole title of the book is Because They Hate, a survivor of Islamic terror warns America. Brigitte Gabriel goes into the warning at the end of the book saying this is going to happen to the United States if we don't stop it. When people all over the world are chanting death to Israel and death to America, it's important we take them seriously. It's important we understand they mean it. This is not just a fun chant. This is their desire. They want to destroy Israel and America because of our freedoms, because of our liberty. That's what they want to destroy. And again, I need to emphasize this strongly. We do not do it with hate. Okay? We do not teach our children to hate the people that are trying to destroy our country. We teach our children to try and stop it and do everything necessary to stop it, but not to hate the people trying to do it. Most of them are following orders, and most of them have been brainwashed with hate, with not only their parents teaching them to hate, but all of their media, as I pointed out. They've got even programs that are teaching the young, young children in Palestine to hate Israel and to hate America. We've got to stop the hate. All righty, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> hey, before I talk about anything else, I want to tell you again about the amazing products 
that I use from NuSkin. One of the ones I love the most is LifePack and uh, the LifePack Nano. It's a fantastic supplement. It's bioavailable more than any other vitamin. As I think I explained in another podcast that I talked to a guy who cleaned out porta potties and at the bottom of those porta potties were all those multivitamins that people were taking from the store that are shellacked that don't dissolve in your body at all and you could still read the name brand of those vitamins on the bottom of that porta potty which is disgusting all right so if you want to try life pack nano you can do that by going to my website that I've created for my listeners, twdbark.mynewskin, and newskin is N-U-S-K-I-N. Someone wrote to me and said they couldn't get on it because they were spelling it N-E-W-S-K-I-N. It's not spelled that way. It's N-U-S-K-I-N. So it's twdbark.mynewskin.com. And you can go see the products that I use. And one of the ones I love the most is the Life Pack Nano. It's a fantastic multivitamin. So go check it out, twdbark.mynewskin.com. All right, we got more information for you. Evidence now shows that Hunter Biden received a payment of $400,000 from a Chinese company and then paid his father. $40,000. Now, let me, I have to do the math in my head. 400000 and 40000 40000 of 400000 That That's like 10%, right? Do you remember those emails? 10% for the big guy? And by the way, uh, Hunter Biden is trying to discredit his former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, because Tony Bobolinsky has come forward and said, yes, Joe Biden is the big guy. Yes, all these emails are real. Yes, we did meet numerous times with these uh, big business people from China and from Ukraine and from Romania and from Russia and from all these other countries. And they have paid the Biden family millions of dollars for access to Joe. So James Comer and his team are uncovering little bit at a time the information necessary to impeach Joe Biden. And if you remember, the CEO of Burisma in Ukraine bragged about how it would take years for people to find all the money that they gave to the Biden family because they went through all these shell companies and they distributed the money through all the Biden family. Nine different Biden family members were receiving money from all different directions, and there's no way to directly tie it to Joe until now. And someone's arguing that Joe Biden was not president or even vice president. It was 2017 when this check was written. Well, where, how did Hunter Biden get that 400000 from China? What did he do? That's the biggest question about all of this. What did the Biden family do to earn all of this money? I mean, it looks like upwards of $40 million now total for all of the money they received in not only money, but diamonds and Porsches and, you know, uh, all kinds of different gifts 
that have been given to the Biden family. And the total sum of all the gifts and cash, wire transfers, all that, looks to be about $40 million now. And as I pointed out, while Hunter Biden was living at the residence, the Biden residence in Delaware, that he was receiving money from foreign entities. And in the garage of that residence were classified documents that Joe Biden was not authorized to have. But no, let's all focus on the president, Donald Trump, being or taking some of those documents back to Mar-a-Lago. And yeah, let's let's focus on that and just turn the focus away from the Biden family, especially the 31 pallets, 31 pallets of documents that are being stored at the University of Delaware. How much of documents on 31 pallets do you think is classified? And remember, some of the classified documents they now have found at Joe Biden's residence in the library were from when he was a senator, meaning he took them out of the skiff illegally to his residence as a senator. See, senators aren't covered by the Presidential Records Act. Presidents are, but senators are not. There is such a blaring double standard with all of this. It's just, it's almost comical, to be honest. It's almost laughable if it wasn't so serious. And the reason why it's so serious is Donald Trump represents the biggest threat to world governance that has ever been. That is why they are trying to destroy him. They are trying to make everybody focus on his personality and his being mean on Twitter. And when he was uh, valuating his property, saying that Mar-a-Lago's worth billions. It is. And, and fortunately for Letitia James, she found a judge that hates Trump as much as she does and loves power as much as she does. Because this Judge Ergeron, or whatever his name in, name is, values the pop property of Mar-a-Lago for $18 million. Uh, I would like to go to a bank right now and provide all of the assets in Mar-a-Lago and the location and the value of properties surrounding it. And I would like to easily get an $18 million loan to buy the house. Because I promise you, I could go to any bank with the property uh, value of Mar-a-Lago and all of its assets and where it's located, any bank would give me $18 million to buy that house because they know I could immediately turn it around and sell it for a hundred times that, more than that. Uh, I think Forbes lists it at about $350 million and other companies have listed it higher, uh, close to a billion. So all of these things, oh, and also, just to let you know, Letitia James also owns real estate in New York. And she also has overvalued her property to get better terms with her bank and, and better loans. And you know what? Donald Trump may have overvalued his a little bit too, not by as much as they're saying, but show me the victim in the crime. There is no victim in the crime. Every bank, every insurance company, 
was all paid back with interest as the terms dictated when he got the loans for the properties he bought and built. So there is no victim. And I watched uh, or I saw a tweet recently or, or a post on X and someone was saying, you know, that all the things that Donald Trump, that the, the, the evidence is just so overwhelming now, he belongs in jail, all that stuff. The reason why they want to put him in jail is they don't want him to run against Joe Biden because Joe Biden cannot win against Donald Trump unless the Democrats do what they did in 2020 and change the rules again. And Democrats, let me tell you one thing that's happening that you're not going to be able to prevent. The Hispanic community and the black community are leaving you. They now understand that you are not working towards their best interest, that you are using them for their votes. Every single election for the last four or five elections, the Hispanic and African-American vote has diminished in the Democratic Party. And I'm telling all of my friends of color right now, the Democratic Party wants to keep your vote for power, not to help you out, not to do good for you. And, and I challenge anyone, write me, Drew, at thewatchdogsbark.com. Tell me anything the Democratic Party has done that has made your life better. Is all my friends of color, all my minority friends, write me and let me know. What has the Democratic Party done for you to benefit your community? Nothing. All they want is your vote. And they keep asking for it and bringing up the necessary reason for them all to stick together, to, to vote Democrat, to stop the evil Republicans. Do you, do you hear any Republicans that want total control of the government? Have you heard any Republicans say they want to completely take over the entire government? I've heard many Democrats talk about getting rid of all Republicans, making sure Republicans can never vote again, making sure Republicans can never have a voice in government again. You do not hear that on the Republican side. The Republicans are trying to stop this march towards Marxism and communism in this country. They don't want full control. They want a balanced government the way our founding fathers created this country to be a constitutional republic. It's the Democrats that are calling for packing the Supreme Court, getting rid of the Electoral College, adding D.C. and Puerto Rico to states so they can have more senators. Why do they want to do all these things? Because they want total control. That is called totalitarianism. That is called tyranny. And I promise you, the reason why our southern border is open and millions and millions of people are flooding into this country from all over the world is for power. And they don't care at all how many human traffickers and child sex traffickers have been coming across our southern border. They don't care. Hundreds, a hundred thousand people a year in this country die of fentanyl overdose. They don't care how many women and children are raped 
on their way to our southern border from other countries. There is a proclamation and flyers and welcome mats sent out all over the world. No matter where you come from, if you can get to Mexico, you can make it into the United States because their southern border is overwhelmed and they cannot enforce their border laws. And they do not enforce their border laws. That is why we are so weak. And then the final thing, as I covered a couple podcasts ago, is what is being done in our military is shameful. Absolutely shameful. You're teaching soldiers that it's more important to focus on skin color and sexuality and pronouns than to become a lethal fighting force. Now, I, I still praise, love, and support our men and women in the military. I do not support the leadership. I think the leadership has lost their way. I think the leadership is not trying to make the military uh, a lethal fighting force. They're trying to be woke. I mean, you've got General Milley that said, I don't know what white rage is, but I want to. Why? If you train soldiers well enough, and I've said this before and I will keep saying it, if you train soldiers well enough to focus on cohesion and lethal fighting force, it won't matter what skin color, what sexuality, what they are. They will, their primary focus will be to win and to work together no matter what. They, it doesn't matter pronouns. It doesn't matter about their sexuality. It doesn't matter about their skin color. They are men and women of the military, and they all work together and ignore their differences and focus on their similarities. And their similarities is their love of our country and their desire to defend it against enemies, foreign and domestic. This, my friends, is why we are so close to going to World War III. The United States is weaker than it has been in decades. And you remember, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump also said it too. The most important thing to guarantee worldwide peace is a strong America. Peace through strength. Peace does not come through capitulation. Peace does not come through weakness. Our enemies strike when they sense weakness. And that is why the United States is so embroiled right now in other countries' wars, because the U.S. is weak, and we need to get that military strength back. We need to get that energy independence back. We need to get the patriotism back in this country, because the strongest evidence that we have right now of how weak America is, in Lafayette Park right now, there is graffiti all over General Lafayette's statue, there is a Palestinian flag flying on the top of that statue. That's outside the White House. There has been destruction. They have tried to break down the gates to get into the White House. They've tried to climb over the fence to get in the White House. And has anybody been arrested? No. Everybody's going, oh, yes. Yes, oh, free Palestine. Everyone, oh, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. Oh, my gosh, yes, free Palestine. That's, that's what we all must be chanting. Just understand this. Palestine, and I'm not talking people in Palestine or Palestinians, just 
I need to explain this. When Donald Trump said asshole countries, you know, like uh, Haiti and other things, he wasn't talking about the people living in those countries. He's talking about the governments. Same thing goes here. When we say that Palestine doesn't want peace, that's the, gov- that's the leadership of Palestine. There are Palestinians that want peace. There are peaceful Palestinians. But the leadership of Palestine and the Palestinian countries do not want peace. They want to destroy Israel and they want to destroy the United States of America. And they believe, honestly, if they wipe out all of Israel and wipe out all of the United States, that the world will be peaceful. They actually believe this. And I watched a video the other day of a Palestinian or or, or actually Hamas. He was a leader of Hamas. And he was talking to a recruit about how if he gloriously dies in the name of Allah, okay, if he puts on that suicide vest and blows himself up, his spirit will soar into the heavens and all seven gates of heaven will open up and his 72 virgins will be waiting there for him for eternity. That's what they're teaching young kids in Palestine. That's what, they're, that's what the terrorist organizations are teaching children, that it's honorable, that they should try to be suicide bombers. That would be the best way to serve Allah, is to die in his name. And there is the belief in, you know, in the military and others that the greatest love hath no man than he give his life for his friend. I understand that. And to give your life in the name of God is a good thing, but not when you are killing thousands of people that just disbelieve, that believe differently than you. That does not give you that glory. That sends you the other direction. Because the worst sin you can commit is doing harm to others in God's name. Remember that. Okay, one other thing I want to talk about before I go to the positive message, because I always want to end on a positive note. Tyson Foods is now partnering with the largest insect protein producer in the world. That's right. On Tyson's website, tysonfoods.com, they announced that Tyson Foods announces partnership with Protix for more sustainable protein production. What's Protix? They are the largest producer of insect protein in the world. Do you still think that elites don't want us eating bugs? I personally think it's time to give Tyson Foods the bud-like treatment. Don't you? Okay, this last positive message is just a very short message. It's by Steve Harvey. And it's basically saying that you, everyone has a turnaround or a turn back moment. And those that choose to move forward succeed. And the one thing that you can guarantee is if you don't put in the effort, you won't succeed. Listen to this. Everybody has a turn back moment. You have a moment where you can go forward or you can give up. But the thing you have to keep in mind before you give up is that if you give up, the guarantee is it will never happen. That's the guarantee of quitting, that it will never happen, no way under the sun. 
The only way the possibility remains that it can happen is if you never give up no matter what. Amen to that. You know that if you turn back, if you give up, then that you are guaranteed not to success, not to have success or not to succeed. The only way that you're going to not succeed is if you give up. If you keep pushing forward and keep improving day by day by day, even minuscule amounts, eventually you're going to have the success you want, but never give up. Just as Winston Churchill said in his famous, very short seven word speech, never give up, never, never give up. And with that, that brings us to the end of another podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you agree or disagree with anything I said, don't hesitate to write me, Drew, at thewatchdogsbark.com. And until next time, create an amazing day, and please help me relay the bark. <laughs>